But it's having the right tools and technology that when the circumstances change, you can respond to it. You can affect the change right then and there. Welcome to Collecting Thoughts, CNR Software's new podcast. We're your one-stop shop for digestible industry news, anecdotes, and advice as told by the boots on the ground industry leaders and subject matter experts. We'll be covering topics across the collection space, technology, and finance. I'm your host, Christina, and I'm happy to have you join us. Today's guest is CNR Software's very own Vice President of Marketing, Carol Byrne. Prior to spending more than a decade in risk management, Carol worked on the business side of publishing, first at Time Inc., then News Corps, and McGraw-Hill Publishing. She worked for herself for 10 years, becoming more involved in financial services after gaining J.P. Morgan Chase as a client. Since 2010, she's been an advocate of transparent, customer-centric debt collection and a strong proponent for diversity and women in the workforce. Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Carol, as someone who has been heavily involved in establishing brand positioning throughout your career, including CNR Softwares, naturally today I wanted to talk to you about unexpected areas within the collections process where creditors can build brand loyalty. For those listening who are used to thinking in terms of risk management, analytics, or operations, why don't you set the scene? Tell us how you would define brand loyalty. Very good question. It seems simple, but the, and, and actually my answer is very simple. Brand loyalty is trust, and it's the relationship that we all have with the people we do business with. It really is focused on a company offering a good or a service that solves a pain, and if there is a problem, the company makes good on it. You end up whole, and it's a very strong way to attract and maintain customers. Right, and... In collections, everything what you said certainly relates, but it might not necessarily be what people think of. So when it comes to the collection space, how would you relate brand loyalty to it? Well, I would start out by saying that we had to first recognize that connecting brand loyalty to the debt collection process is not something that people talk about, right? Reputation that the industry has isn't good. But the reason why it wasn't good is that they did not have everyone, credit issuers and, and third-party collection agencies alike, they didn't have the tools and technology that we have today. It is very much connected in my world because I've seen our clients be very customer-focused and they put that effort into the collections process using the right tools and the technology. And it is amazing. It, it not only improves performance, it's, it's a win-win because also greatly influences customer loyalty. And there's no better uh, reinforcement of a good brand than someone saying, when you get into those conversations about debt, they don't happen often, they're tough to have. But when someone says, you know what? This credit issuer, they really, they, they really helped me. And that person can say, I regained financial stability and I like the brand. That's a really, really great compliment to the brand. Yeah, definitely makes sense. You mentioned that successful creditors will use the right technology to make sure their customers are having a great customer experience. What kind of technology? Can you expand upon that? I put technology and analytics and humanization together. It really starts with data. Our credit mm -hmm. issuers that use data, manage it well, they maintain it, they leverage it well. It is really powerful. And I think 
organizations, no matter what industry, the more data-driven they are, the more successful they are, and they certainly more successful they'll be in the future, right? But if you realize, if you can recognize that some of your customers may not be able to make a payment, to recognize that before it happens, using analytics because you're looking at your historical data and you're looking at, has something changed? Is this an, a long-time customer that we really can predict what's going to happen with, with the payments in the future? I'll talk in there to say, it seems like customers are getting more curious about debt in general, whether it's because of, you know, of course, everything that's going on with the pandemic, inflation, uh, the job market, all of these different elements. Unfortunately, people are getting behind on bills and people who might not have previously had to worry about being in debt are now getting in a little debt. They might be interacting with the collections department of their favorite, you know, their bank or their retailer or whatever. I was just at a conference and listening to someone from the CFPB speak. They said that in 2022, more than half of their inquiries on the Ask CFPB website were all about debt. So to your point, consumers, they're starting to look into it, which is even more of a reason that our creditors need to be thinking about how to catch them in advance, which ties back to the analytics piece you were talking about. Well, predictive analytics really address that. And beyond predictive analytics, optimizing and self-learning algorithms, they tell you how, what, and when messages are going to resonate best. Okay, so this means in, in really simple terms that models separate the will pay, the won't pay, they're unable to pay, and give, give the credit issuer a good sense of how to message and how to use the data properly to segment accounts with like characteristics. And it includes identifying pre-delinquency, identifying issues and uh, channel preferences and such, and how to message and how to treat that customer so that you meet their issues with data that gives you good information and with the tools that give you options to collect in different ways. Okay, and I'm really referring to omnichannel collections. Yeah, for sure. I think the idea of, you know, right channel, right time isn't exactly a new concept, right? Like companies have always wanted to talk to their consumers or customers in a way that pertains to them best, but that might be, you know, a relatively new concept in the collection space. So can you talk a little bit about like omni-channel and self-serve and giving these consumers, again, there could be people who, well, especially with buy now, pay later, people that are Gen Z that really want to do everything online. They don't want to talk to people. There's, of course, people like me. I actually really enjoy getting on the phone and talking to someone because I think it's the quickest way to just get something resolved. So how do these companies appease everybody? Because if, if a person feels appeased, they're more likely to stay loyal to the brand. You're absolutely right. Well, I think omnichannel play a big role here. And it's understanding two things. Number one, what is the preferred channel? You just said you prefer phone, other people, and you can look at generational trends. And certainly millennials and Gen Z, there's big portions of different generations that very much prefer digital communication. And there's a big portion of consumers among all of us that really like having a 
a self-serve approach, which is preferred because it doesn't, it doesn't put you in contact with a person. It's very easy to do. It's 24-7. We've all been trained by Amazon and Google and Apple that, you know what, technology can be very fast, it can be very efficient, and self-serve is. However, there's also people that prefer mobile. You know, they're busy, they, they just use their mobile, so they want to do a text, and they, they want to make a payment, you know, on their mobile. In fact, mobile use has increased tremendously in the last couple of years. Um, other people, maybe in a different generation, prefer an email. And we still see that there are letters and phone calls that really work. And I think what's important here is that analytics are tremendously important, and analytics and AI are extremely powerful. But for the more complex cases, and as you pointed out, with the pandemic, with the record inflation, with credit being tighter and interest rates going up, with the, the Ukrainian war, there's a lot of pressure. The levels of debt, the account levels have gone up tremendously, and buy now, pay later also contributes to that. So when you look at the high level of debt and you're using automation with people who are unfamiliar with being in that situation and managing distressed debt, it's often really important to have the human being part of the equation also. So what's so great is that some people may prefer something that is totally automated, no shame, no conversation, that they find that much easier. But other people that may have harder cases, more complexities and such, they really need to talk to a person. So being able to go from an automated process to a different channel, like a human being, is extremely helpful and really drives performance and also gives the consumer and the, uh, the colleague, you know, the, the collections team, they both share a win-win uh, feeling once they've, they've talked something through and it's become productive. Yeah, and of course, all of these points that you're making help the, con the end consumer, but let's not forget about the person on the other side of the phone, which is the agent working with the consumer to collect the distressed debt. This, it sounds like all of it's going to make their lives significantly easier as well, because while the people who are comfortable with self-serve are handling it on their own, they have more time to dedicate to the people who want to talk on the phone or the people who are new to this and they're feeling confused and worried and they have questions. So it seems like it helps everybody on, on all sides of things. Well, you know, another reality, along with the fact that some people may not put loyalty and into the debt collection process, um, uh, uh, connect that. And the reality is the organizations that do connect it do very well. And that includes the collections team. It's tough when you're talking to people who are in a very stressful situation. Let's acknowledge, talking about delinquent debt is a very tough conversation between people, much less a collections team member. But when a collections team member has a really good user interface, when the process is intuitive, when the, a case comes to them and they can see all the details, they see the data, they can talk to that customer very intelligently because they've got the picture right in front of them, a 360 view of the customer, then they can make progress because and they can convey to the customer that this person knows what's going on here. They see that the payments that I've missed or where I'm at with things are the complexities they're facing. You know, maybe they got COVID, maybe they lost a loved one, maybe they lost a job, got divorced. There's a lot of reasons why everyone goes through a challenging financial phase. And that agent, the churn between people who are, are, are helping people do that, they can be very high. But when you have these tools that I just mentioned, when you have an intuitive user interface, when you have the right data, you when you, you're handling it 
with a level of professionalism that the customer recognizes and understands and appreciates, there's, there's a really good feeling because you more often come out with a win-win resolution. So that mm-hmm. lowers churn for the collections team, which is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. So right now, these are all really great points, but can you give us an example of all of this in action, whether that's with a client or just a company that you're familiar with? Like who is really doing well with, with connecting brand loyalty to the technology they're investing in for their collections operation? Well, I can give an example of a third-party group that we've worked with for years and years. And they decided they wanted to go into some different industries. And they didn't know anything about these industries. They're very successful in student loan, but they, they branched out. And when they did this, they had the customer front and center. So they, they're, very, they're very accustomed to focusing and humanizing, whether it's self-serve or you know the human uh, is involved in it. They know the data they want to pull. They know that they want to segment like accounts together so they automate as much as possible. So when something does become too complex and it has to be handled separately, they know exactly who those people are. They use analytics to identify some pre-delinquency. They also use analytics to optimize the processes. And when they, when they went into these new industries, they went to telecom and credit card. Um, they knew all the compliance. So there was no, there, there were no issues internally and they didn't convey any fear with anyone they were talking with or any part of the automation process because they remained compliant. And remaining compliant is good for the customer, right? Immediately going in and understanding the compliance, understanding the automation that they were using, knowing how to do models and such within their collections platform, all very helpful. So they were working in real time. Let's say they were doing a champion challenger test. Let's say a messaging test. They could look at uh, a workflow that was doing very well. And they could take other workflows that were not using the same messaging or maybe the same steps. So the ability to go into new industries and immediately always have that, that focus on the customer, knowing that their data is well-maintained, they know how to use it, they know how to leverage it, they know how to optimize it, to test with it, to work with models within the collection platform. It's very powerful. So they could be running to a, a champion challenger test in real time and see that a new message is doing really well. And they could change other workflows to go to on that, that process. And they're, they're having a very successful time. There was very little that they had to really polish or change because they had the technology in place, because they, they focused on the customer, they understand the, the importance of data, and they were automating things and seeing the results in real time so they could make changes. So they have a very good reputation in the marketplace and they're being, they're very successful in two new industries. So that's a really good example of when you have your strategy in place and you have the tools and technology and you can actually operationalize your strategy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's dynamic. That's, you see performance improve. Yeah. It swings all around. So you mentioned that they were very keen, of course, on making sure as they were applying this new technology and switching industries that they were remaining compliant. So I'm sure companies are looking at all of this technology that's available now that they're reading, that they need to get a hold of, they need to get ahead of, but how can they make sure that they remain compliant? Like how can that also be top of mind while they're going through this whole tech stack refresh? That's a really good question. And I could can tell you that it's very manageable. 
However, I say that based on the fact that you have to be working on a platform that's highly configurable. In fact, going back to this one example that we were just talking about, I thought this was kind of a funny conversation. We were doing a case study with them. And during the conversation, the person I was speaking with in the collections realm, he said that the day prior, it was a Sunday, and there was a compliance change. So he said he was having his first cup of coffee in his pajamas, and he went upstairs to his office. He changed a few things, and they were immediately compliant. And that doesn't happen. Oh, wow. Very, yeah, it's a great story. It's two minutes. And yeah. he knew the whole, the whole team would not be able to do something that would put them on out of compliance. So very easy to do, but that's based on the fact that he knows the platform and he knew, you know what? It's so configurable. I'm going to go up and do this. And he sent his email to his staff was about the same amount of time, you know, a couple of minutes that it was to, to configure the system to meet the new requirement. And you know, some of these requirements, they don't have a, don't always have a long lead time. So it's really important. And I think it's important to the, the customer and the consumer that they're consumers they're working with, because you want to work with companies that can, you know, assure you that you can be compliant. And it's, it's basically our clients that ensure that we give them the configurability, the ability to remain compliant. And then there's all sorts of things, you know, within the process that keep the collections team from doing something. There'll be pop-ups and messaging and such. So, you know, it's funny. I've talked to my my clients when I know that there have been some uh, new requirements. I'm calling, not with bated breath, but how's it going? And this was actually a couple of years ago. I said, what do you, it's fine. You know, we did that, you know, two months ago. So that's, I think configurability is the answer that keeps our clients um, not stressed out. They sleep at night, all is well, because they know that they can remain compliant. It's so configurable to do that. Up until now, we've talked about how these companies, of course, need to focus as much of their efforts on brand loyalty and customer loyalty as they will with updating their technology and make sure they're staying compliant, et cetera. But we've been talking about like, oh, they they get preferred channel, everybody answers. It's all sunshine and rainbows. But if you're in the industry, you obviously know that that's not always the case, right? So how do these creditors keep brand loyalty and customer loyalty in mind for those customers that aren't, you know, they're not necessarily responding to the outreach because at the end of the day, not everybody is going to be too keen on paying their debt. So how would company, how do companies keep customer loyalty in mind when they're going through that? It's really smart to look for high, to work for high retention rates because acquiring a customer costs so much more. So I think the heart of every business is saying, let's take care of all of our customers as best we can. And that works for them because it's, they're going to be grow faster, be more successful. But it's also really good for the customer because the way you do that is you take good care of the customer. So it means good communication and it means persistence. And it means the ability when you have complex cases and if someone is just simply ignoring you and you do get them, you know, you do, you do get an exchange in place. It's having a user interface. So if it is a member of the collections team, they can talk in very real terms about what the situation is and they can change the treatment plans. They will see in front of them on their computer screen. Here are the options that we can do right now. So they understand that because of everything we've talked about, there's a large group of people that are managing distressed debt. 
So good communication, having the right data. So when you talk to a, a customer, you can talk with the facts in front of you and understanding, showing compassion, you know, really humanizing the process, saying, okay, let's try something else. And you'd be surprised that, you know, the circumstances change and they do allow payments at different rates, uh, at different rotations or regularity. And it's that ongoing communication that the credit issuer or the third party has that keeps the conversation going and showcases that their heart is true. They want to treat the, the customer back to full financial, better financial standing. And the customer sees that they're working with me. So I want to work with them. And that, that's how you resolve that debt. It's persistence. It's good communication. It's being human. And it's, you know, we've already said this, but it's having the right tools and technology that when this, the circumstances change, you can respond to it. You can affect the change right then and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's essentially, it's going to be a marathon, not a sprint for some of these customers, which is an even funnier metaphor because both Carol and I run. Uh, Carol, it has been lovely speaking with you today. Before we sign off, is there anything else you would like to leave us with? I think what I would say as a closing point is that there is, I kind of call it magical because I think, I think it really is, but it's based on you know, technology and tools. But when you combine smart technology, analytics, and a humanized approach, a humanized and compassionate, that is dynamic. It means establishing good communication with folks who really struggle with getting back on track. And good communication, good data, technology, humanization, that's the combination that will keep resolving debt and win more loyalty. Perfect. Thanks so much again for your time. It's a pleasure, Christina. Thank you. Thank you.